specific things that Jesus had to say around this issue of forgiving was connected to a story that he told. We call it the parable of the unmerciful servant, also known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. This parable, this story that Jesus told gets right at the issue. One of the interesting things about it, the story that Jesus gives is a response to a question from Peter. And Peter was reflecting on some of the things that Jesus had been saying and in many ways, as I revisited it in Matthew 18, it's what we're going to be looking at. When I revisited it, it really is, is uh, you know, it's, it's just so relatable because he was trying to put together the different things that Jesus had said about relationships. For example, one of the things that Jesus had talked about earlier to them was their need as the, his disciples to safeguard the, the growing community. And he talked about how there would be times where they would have to draw boundaries and, and they would have to confront things and deal with that relationally. And so here's Jesus talking about confronting, um, maybe even uh, exercising some degree of discipline for the overall safety and, and, and integrity of the community, basically saying you can't close your eyes and just write it off. You have to deal with it. And then there were other times when Jesus would talk about forgiving and being merciful and making sure you went the extra mile with people. And so Peter is listening to all the things that Jesus is saying, and he's trying to, like a lot of times we do, figure out, well, how does this forgiveness thing really work? And what happens when people, you know, don't deserve it or when uh, it's, it's something that, you know, we've tried a long time to, to work past it and we're not getting anywhere? He, you know, it's really interesting. He's wrestling with the same stuff that we wrestle with. I mean, a lot of people have been coming up to me afterwards in the last couple of weeks saying, hey, you know, I appreciate what you've been saying, but you know, what happens when someone is not willing to move on? Or what, I, there was others one tell me, I mean, you know, I'm on a job, I, I, I'm managing people, and there's some things that, honestly, I, I can't forgive them, I need to address them. So a lot of this has been, been just sort of circulating, and I, and I think it makes Peter's question all the more, you know, apropos, appropriate. It makes it all the more meaningful because it's real life. And just translate that out into our relationships. At what point do we draw our lines? When do we say enough is enough? What is our responsibility as, an, as a follower of Jesus to forgive and forgive again? How does that all work? What are the answers to those questions? Those are, that's real stuff. Peter wanted to know. And so he comes up to Jesus and Peter says, notice this, it says he came to him, verse 21, and he said, Lord, how many times... How often, it's funny how he says it. How often shall my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? Not how many times after I've hurt somebody and I've asked them to forgive me, should they forgive me? No. Peter says, Lord, how many times after they've hurt me, sinned against me, am I obligated to forgive? What, Lord, how many times do I need to put up with this? Or how many times do you want me to say, it's okay before I draw the line. 
That's a good question. And again, he, he's trying to, and, and I think there was a pause there. Now, you've got to understand, before you read the next thing he asks, which is going to be more rhetorical, he, he had grown up as they had all been immersed in culturally the teachings of the scribes of the day. The prevailing teaching was in relation to relationships and forgiveness, that when a confrontation occurred, that there, when forgiveness was given, that once, twice, three times was the maximum kind of that you would do. And after that, you were free. You didn't have to forgive. And so this was sort of an understood thing. So when Peter says, Lord, how many times um, are we supposed to forgive when someone, you know, sins against us, does us wrong? And I think in light of what he understood forgiveness to be, he's thinking he's being amazingly gracious here because he says, what do you think? Seven times, you know, he picks the number of complete, and he picks a great number, I doubled the three times, three plus two, plus one, seven times, right? I doubled them and added one. What do you think? You think that'll, that'll be enough, Lord, before we can say, well, that's, that's it then, forgiveness is over. And uh, I'm sure he thought that he was going to get, uh, I think he was hoping that he was going to get one of those well-saids, you know, that came after, um, you know, like, wow, Peter, you're really on this, you know, amazingly gracious of you. Seven, not three, not four, five, or six, seven times. I'm impressed. And I think he fully expected the, the Lord to say, good job. But as is often the case, the Lord has a way of responding differently when we think we have him boxed in. And Peter, Peter found that the Lord's answer was something completely different than what he was anticipating, nor expecting, nor necessarily considered to be justice because he said what do you think seven times and jesus said in verse 22 no uh, not seven times oh, and peter maybe said, oh maybe i went too far you know maybe seven <laughs> yeah well you know i just went overboard a little bit there because no he i don't know if there was a pause there or not but i know what jesus says jesus says no i don't say to you seven times <laughs> i say seven times seventy which they understood it was a colloquialism. They understood what that phrase meant. It meant without limit. Peter, you want a number? I'll give you my number. There is no number. It's, it's indefinite. The, the fact is, this is what he's saying. Listen, forgiveness is too beautiful to ever be reduced to a number. It's too powerful. It's too bountiful. There is no limit to the need for the spirit of forgiveness. Spirit of forgiveness is something that cannot be boxed in the way you want it boxed in. And he says, I mean, let, me put, let me put it to you this way. He says, let me try to explain to you how my way works. This is what the kingdom is like. I'll give you a story to help illustrate it. It's a story that he could have pulled off the front pages of the papers even today. Somebody who worked for somebody, and in their day it would have been a little bit more severe, the consequences. Because you, you, could, you could get really big. If you were working for a king who had a, a significant amount of authority, you could be thrown into prison. You could even be killed. The stakes were much higher. They kind of understood the world. It worked differently than ours, our culture does. So Jesus gives them a story that is going to make a point. Here is the parable, the story, he says, of what we call the unforgiving servant. He says, listen to me. Therefore, in light of what I'm trying to tell you, this answer to the question you want, this 70 times 7, this forgiveness issue. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. They had borrowed money most likely to invest them. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him 
millions of dollars. So somehow this man, in one version it talked about the amount being equated to almost $20 million. Evidently, one of his servants had assumed, perhaps, that there was a can't-miss investment. And he had leveraged everything and failed miserably. He lost it all. $20 million in debt. Millions of dollars. And it says that as he was being brought to a point of account, notice what happens. It says he couldn't pay it. He didn't have enough money. He could never pay it. And so the master ordered that <laughs> he ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay back that debt, to pay the debt. And, and the fact of the matter is there was no way he was ever going to ever be able to come up with that money. And, it, and, and he was absolutely struck, as any of us would have been, in that kind of a situation, realizing what was going to happen as his family and he were going to be sold into indentured servitude for the rest of their lives, he begins to throw himself, according to Jesus' story, at the feet of the king. And notice what he says. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him. He said, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. And then his master was filled. The owner, the king, was filled with pity. And he released him. And he didn't say, okay, we'll install a payment plan here. He forgave his debt. No, that's important. He forgave his debt. But when the man, but here's the thing, you go, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, forgiveness. But Jesus juxtaposes it with something else. He creates a contrast. He says, yeah, but listen, that's good. Yeah, but listen, when that man, when he left the king, you know what? He went to a fellow servant, someone who was an associate with him, who owed him, you know what? He only owed him a few thousand dollars. But notice what he did. He grabbed him by the throat. He demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and he begged. He begged him. He begged for just a little, just give me a little more time. I'll get you your money. He pleaded with him. Be patient with me. I'll pay it to you, but his creditor couldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And then when somebody of the other servants saw what had happened, they realized they were very upset. They were offended. They were angry. They went back. They told the king. They said, you won't believe it. They told him everything that happened. You remember that guy you just let off, who one who forgave millions of dollars to him? He went and he, you know what he did? And it says that the king called in the man who had been forgiven. And he said, you evil servant. What kind of man are you? I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? You make me get out of here. Throw him into prison. Torment. That's the story. That's the story. Now Jesus has, by that point, clearly got their attention. And what is it at the core of this story about? At its core, it's about what we do when we're hurt or offended or taken advantage of. And what Jesus is saying here is a part of it. He's exploring our responsibility. He's talking about the responsibility to extend forgiveness. And one of the amazing things, again, is how we marvel at it. How could someone who was forgiven so much have such a pettiness about their ability to forgive someone else? How could someone who was treated so mercifully be so merciless. It begs the question, how could he? How could we? Part of this is clear. It's about, it's about 
how we extend forgiveness and how that willingness to extend forgiveness is informed by our understanding of how much God has forgiven us. So, so that we are affected when we actually comprehend how much God has forgiven us. I mean, one of the great truths that Jesus taught us and everything that the cross means. I mean, we talk about the cross. We talk about the good news, the gospel. We talk about what Jesus came to do. I mean, God talks about how all of us were like sin all of us were sinners. All of us were apart from God, distanced from God, like sheep gone astray, turned everyone to his own way, Isaiah says. Romans, Romans talks about how in light of our distance from God, God God filled the, He came to us when we couldn't get to Him and He gave Himself for us. He, you know what? It says God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, distant from God, God died for us. Christ died for us. I mean, that, you know, I, I, when I was a young follower of the Lord, just a young man, I remember a song that I heard. It was a, it was a poem that, um, I, that had been written and, he, and in it, it was by a man named Keith Green and he had talked about how um, the, the Lord, he, in fact, the song was called altar call. And he said, it's not in your hand. He said, some people won't find out till it's too late um, that someone had to pay the price. But then he goes on, you could pay it yourself or let someone else, but who would be that nice to pay a debt that wasn't his? Well, I know someone like that. And he's your best friend. He really is. He really loves you. He's real, you know. I never, that song stayed with me all for years now, decades. And, and it reminded me of the debt that the Lord has paid for us. He, God so loved this world that He gave His own Son, that He gave everything for us. And that, you, you, we cannot read this parable and, and not see that part of what Jesus is saying at is that God is in the process of forgiving us so much. That God, who is rich in mercy, and it's not like we could earn it. This is not something that we somehow made ourselves good enough to get. A lot of times I'm going to say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I, oh God, I believe you. But I'm never good enough for God. I don't say, hey, God, you know what? You're privileged to have me. No, not so. I never try to say, I'll ever, you know what the truth is? Failure is really a gift sometimes because it reminds us of our need and it strips away our pride and our self-sufficiency and I'm not saying I want to fail. I'm not saying I want to hurt people. I don't want to say I'm not looking to, to make a mess of things or, or, you know, hurting God. I'm just saying is in those moments, I'm reminded of how relentless his love is for us. And it got me thinking, and I'm going to just kind of touch on a couple of quick points here. It got me thinking about the whole purpose of this story, this parable that Jesus gave us. And one of them is pretty clear that when it comes to God's forgiveness, we'll call this our first one. God's forgiveness is so expansive, it doesn't just, just cover the big, it covers the small. It's not just about a moment where I came to him and said, Lord, forgive me, I, I, I need you, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, Lord, I need a savior. That's what a savior, if there was nothing to be saved from, there's no need for a savior. He gives his life so that we might live. He, the fact is that I'm, when we come to him, he says, if you come as you are, and you have a broken and an honest heart, you're, you'll be forgiven. And you're willing to embrace me, you will be embraced. There's this beautiful moment of forgiveness. But you know what? You begin to realize as you follow the Lord is that really the closer we get to God, the more we realize we fall short of what really He looks like in so many ways. Not just the way we treat people, the decisions we make, the way we honor Him, 
um, the stuff we get ourselves into. I mean, I, it, it's, there's so many times where if the, if the Lord were just trying to keep a record on us he, and the way we handle things and the way we treat people, sometimes, honestly, it's, it, you know what, we wouldn't, we, he would just be okay. It, we would be like, Lord, what do you want? What do you have to do with me? It's like, it's like Peter, Lord, what are you going to do with me? You know, I got nothing. It's like David, Lord, what would, in a psalm it says, what would I do? Who could stand? Who of us could stand if you were to mark our iniquities? If you were to actually to really judge us according to what we deserve, none of us would be ever worthy of your love. And yet one of the things I'm reminded about the Lord is that it, he keeps on forgiving us. He keeps on. He's, he's relentless. Even when we fail, God doesn't turn away from us. Even when we, we ignore his voice, when he's trying to tell us something and we don't want to hear it, we do our own thing, we, we get into stuff, we get into all kinds. And you know what? The Lord's love is just stays with us. The forgiveness of God stays on our trail. Not just the big, but the daily th debts that we accrue. We'll never be, it's a, in, not only is his, the gift that he gives us an insurmountable, uh, unpayable debt that we owe him, but there's just also the sense of all the little things that God loves us and forgives us and he doesn't say, we're finished. That's it. I warned you, I told you, how many times do we have to get into this? How many times do we have to, you have to fall and, and choose to go this way? Well, just forget it. The Lord doesn't, you know what, we know it, we know it. We know that God doesn't do that. It's amazing, but there are times when we feel the least deserving. That's when the, it, the, the profound quality of the grace of God shows up. That's why I said some of the greatest gifts of my life have been on the other side of failure when I realized the love the Lord has for me is unconditional. Nothing I can do. That's why, this, that's why Paul says in Rome, what can separate us from the love of God? Can anything really? And it's not like I serve him to get him to love me. I want to serve him because he loves me. It's not like I need to get good enough for God to get his favor. No, I have his favor. Hopefully, I want to live in a way that tries to honor it out a little bit better. You see what I'm saying? It's not about getting good enough. It's about letting him work in our lives. Listen, that gets me thinking. Secondly, though, as amazing as the grace of God is, as amazing as his forgiveness is, and it keeps on going. <laughs> but the point of this parable, right, is that, <laughs> is that we are in turn to be a forgiving people. That I, I wouldn't even put the phrase, that we are to be forgivers. That if we really do understand how much God loves us, is on the basis of the debt that's been paid for us. I mean, if we really get it, if we really understand how much the Lord has given to us and done for us, then that is going to cause us to, in turn, that's the whole point. When we get the debt that was paid, it should affect how we treat people and how we engage ourselves, relationships. I, look, it doesn't matter. If we say, I love you, God, and I thank you for forgiving me, and then turn around, and in our relationships that we have, hold on to offenses and grievances and resentments, when the Lord is saying, you need to, you cannot separate this out of the relational life. It doesn't work that way. Peter's saying, well, how do we know, how do we know? You He's saying, you can't do it. It's a disconnect. To say, I love God and receive his forgiveness over my life for all the wrong, and, I, and it's not just a big race, it's a continual need for forgiveness, and I get it all the time, freely, a debt I cannot pay, and then turn around and grab somebody's throat and say, you owe me justice. I'm going to get you back. There's something there the Lord is getting at. 
He's getting at it. He's saying, that is not our way. Look at me, you guys. That is not our way. It's not how we... He's telling us, it's not our way. We cannot, when we really get how much we've been forgiven, it's going to challenge our, the way we treat people. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit us when we feel unjustly treated. When we feel that it's their fault. They're the issue. they got to own it. Now, that leads me to the last thought. There is going to be attention to this. Forgiveness has tension. Again, what was the question? The question was, you know, he's, Peter's wrestling with it. He's saying, Lord, what's the number? What's the number? What's the number? Is it seven? Seven. And Jesus is saying, there is no number. This is not science. It's not like, it's more like art. It's not about, I know exactly, and hear, hear what I'm trying to say. A lot of people say, well, how do we know when to do this? How do we, I'm saying is it's not that simple all the time. But please hear one thing I, we are going to say is that forgiveness does not mean that we don't have boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean that there aren't times where there needs to be accountability. That, the reason I need to say is that I can't tell you, I've had more than a few people come up to me and there was genuine angst on them in the past couple of weeks about, you know, I understand what the Lord's calling me to do, but you know what, this person, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just not responding. They want to keep this going on in this way, or I'm on the job here and I feel responsible. At what point am I, am I responsible not to turn a blind eye? At what per- point do I need to, to confront this person? What about reporting? I mean, what about how long am I supposed to put up with this? What if I, what the person says they're sorry, but they keep doing it again and again and again? I mean, what am I supposed to do? And, 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 and I'm hearing all that, and, and a couple of things really stood out to me. And one of them was this, that sometimes a situation, listen, is so toxic that the only way to even start down the road of forgiveness is to create distance. That the only way to even get a beginning of getting better is to begin to draw some lines and say, we can't keep doing this. This is, this is, this is, I can't, I'll not get better. If I was right after, I was telling somebody, what am I crying? crying. What am I going to do? And I said, look, you are, forgiveness, do not misunderstand. Forgiveness is not about just being a doormat or saying this is okay when it clearly isn't. It's not about, it's not about agreeing to become a, a codependent on something that's not healthy, that's death-dealing. It, that's not what we're talking about here. There are moments where, again, we said it, the most loving thing we can do is say we have an issue and we need to make a change to get it better. That's a fact. There are times, where that's, and, that, and there was one other component to this. I was thinking about, you know, a lot of times growing up, I always read, and you do it here too, forgiveness has to do with our response. If we're going to follow the Lord, we have a responsibility to forgive. We have a responsibility to forgive. And I know that. It's ingrained deeply into me, pressed down, way in there. I get it. I read the scriptures. And yet I also read a lot of other things too. Like the Lord is on the side of the wounded and the oppressed and the victim, and how he understands the hurt, and how God is a God of justice. And it's, it's, there, there's, what I'm trying to say is there's tension on this. It's not just a, look, Pete, what, hear me out. Uh, let see if I can say it right. Peter wanted a one-size-fits-all answer just like we did. He said, okay, give me the number, give me the, uh, just the number. Jesus takes, he thought he had reached what? The unthinkable ter- charts of, you know, Forgiveness. And Jesus blows up the paradigm, blows up the number, says, no, no, there is no number. It's, it's something else. This is something we have to wrestle with. There are times where you're going to need, he says, to confront. And there are times where, listen, when everything in you is going to want to say, I'm not letting you off the hook. No way. 
And the Lord's going to say, you need to forgive, even as you have been forgiven. When there's a part of us that's going to want to go, I'm so angry, and I am so upset with you. And the Lord is going to say, you need to pursue mercy, and you need to pursue justice, but in a whole different way. You need to have a peaceableness, not a... Don't, uh, it's almost like the Lord would say that your, our goal needs to be to make sure that our heart is free of malice, that there's no encampment of anger allowed to reside in us, that there are times where God... See, here's the principle here. God's going to want to get right at that, and it can happen sometimes with the people we love the most. We have built up an offense, and we have justified that by the hurt they've done. And you know what? There are times where the Lord is going to say, how much have you been forgiven? How? Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Just checking a bit. How many times, the person's wanting to get better and we're holding it. We won't let them go. We won't let them go. We put them in a box. We put them in a cage. That's who you are. You hurt me. It doesn't matter what, you hurt, you'll hurt me again. No way. And you know what? I'm, I'm saying, okay, what are you saying? Every time we, no, I'm saying we wrestle with things. We pray. We seek God. We have people around us who are speaking into our lives. Some things are not easy plays. Peter wanted the clear, easy play on forgiveness. Just give me the number. Once the number's up, it'll be done. He, Jesus says it doesn't work that way. You always must, in your life, seek to have a spirit of forgiveness at work, always knowing how much God has loved and continues to offer it back to us. And that has to affect the way we treat people. We can't, we got to be really careful about going up to somebody and grabbing their neck and saying, you owe me. And I'm talking relationally. It has to do with letting the love of God prevail among us and the peace of God be the dominant quality. That there is a merciful component to the way we live our lives. This is the place that blessing flows. It is the way of the Lord. It is the path that He showed us. It is the way of God. It's the way that brings life, not death. It's the way of living and loving and getting better. It means going His way. And His way oftentimes is going to challenge us around what we think is an appropriate um, you know, point of justice for us. And the Lord is going to say, you need to let it go. And more than that, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. Even as we have been forgiven, forgive. Do you ever think you'll need mercy? Because blessed are the merciful. Why? Because you'll obtain mercy. Are we ever going to need it? Let's be really careful here, because someday we might. I'd rather be given a little bit extra on the mercy side. I might need it someday. And so might you. We need it from God right now. And Lord, I thank you because as we explore what it means to just wrestle with the truths of your word, your word is no easy thing. It's a complex, beautiful diamond, Lord, that has many different facets to it. And you challenge us, Lord, to sit with it and ponder it and apply it to our lives. And so, God, I just really, I pray that even, you know, now as we bring the service to a point of close, this last song, which has to do with going your way, and even the way the song was designed, Lord, it's, it has both that, that moment where we need to come softly before you and surrender our hurts and wounds to you, or even maybe our sense of failure or shame to you, God, that sense of surrendering in a soft way. But then there are other times, Lord, when you call us to passionately pursue something that you have for us to pursue, 
that there is something of a, of a need on our part to go at it and to go the way that you have for us and not to hesitate, but to pursue it with passion. Lord, wherever we are, whatever you're calling us to do, help us to have a responsive heart. Let this song be a final prayer of surrender and relinquishment. Keep working in our lives, Lord. Let blessing grow inside of us. Help us to do this, to be this. In Jesus' name we pray. And bless our time of giving. Let it be also honoring to you for the glory of the King. In your name we pray. Amen. God, amen.